You know, as a jazz drummer, you don't need your eyes quite as much. You're listening to Legally Blind. You know, when you're trying to pick up a sandwich and you get a finger in two fillings and you've picked it up, it's just an absolute nightmare. <laughs> a podcast with Bobby Golder. Back on the back I went and uh, <laughs> no questions asked. <laughs> Today, Bobby chats to Josh Pugh. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Legally Blind. My name's Bobby Golder and I'm joined today by comedian, writer and vice-captain of the England partially sighted football team, Josh Pugh. Josh and I met at the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh 2019 and we had this conversation in the spring of 2021. Um, Josh and I actually share the same eye condition called Stargardt's macular dystrophy where your central vision is impaired and you mainly see out of your peripheral vision. You can find out a bit more about Stargardt's via the link in in the show notes um, you can follow josh as well at josh pew comic on twitter where you'll find some incredibly funny content and tour dates and so on but i really hope you enjoy the conversation josh welcome to the show thanks for coming my right, pleasure bobby thanks for having me it's quite rare isn't it well i find it quite rare to find people in these sort of circuits with low vision yeah it's um it's not necessarily obvious with this thing is it have who's out there who has got stuff going on necessarily completely yeah and it kind of depends on how much you choose to uh to make it uh, obvious right um absolutely yeah a, a visual impairment is what they call a an invisible disability um you know it's not like you're going up on stage in a wheelchair or on crutches or yeah i mean i do do that as well but i, I can't <laughs> no, I think, you do uh, <laughs> no i don't but it's um <laughs> it, it's interesting, and that is a decision. I suppose as a comedian, it's, a, it's a, that's a more conscious decision than you would yeah. make if you're a musician potentially. So I, I've never, I never spoke about it on stage until my last show, which mm. is an Edinburgh show about sight loss. Well, it was about sight, but it wasn't all about that. Yeah. Um, but so, it, it, talk me through why you, uh, firstly, why you weren't comfortable talking about it until that point. Um, it's just, it's just um, an artistic decision, really. Yeah. You know, it's it's not something that I'm, I'm, for, I'm fortunate enough that it's not necessarily obvious initially, so it's not something I, I have to address. I've got the choice to, to delve into it or not, which I'm, you know, I'm very grateful to have that. Mm. You know what I mean? I, 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 can, I can see enough to get to the microphone and stuff. And, I, yeah, because you're not, because I'm not doing anything. You know, the audience aren't watch me read stuff or watch me trying to get around it. I'm literally just stood there. Yeah, yeah. And you're not making eye contact with anybody. You're just looking into the audience. It's not something I necessarily have to reference. So it's a cho- never chose to do that. And then even in my last Edinburgh show, I just did it as part of my show. I wouldn't necessarily do it when I'm doing like a short set on a weekend. Um, Got it. Okay. Just yeah. because I don't, just because I don't have to, and there's other stuff I'd prefer to talk about. It- so there's actually, other stuff you find funnier. Yeah, whereas actually career-wise, if you know, I'd probably be a bit further on if I'd come out and said initially I'm the I'm the visually impaired guy. I'd yeah. maybe get other opportunities, but I think how much I talk about it on stage reflects how much I talk about it in my daily life. If that makes sense, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I think um, it's almost can be seen as the sort of easy path isn't it if you go out and say look at me how amazing I am with my visual impairment and I can do what I do despite all that 
and it's also um, you kind of attract also, the wrong kind of attention, maybe. Yeah, you do, and it's also just as a comedic device, it's quite um, one-dimensional. So it's it can be like, well, I didn't see this, and then I got into this situation. It's quite mm. that's quite stifling, actually, creatively, and I think the audience would soon get bored with those kind of stories. Yeah. So have you kind of seen a few other uh, a few other comics? you know, uh, address their site problems in, in similar kinds of ways and thought, you know what, well, I don't I don't want to do that. Well, so, so it's, it's different, really, but the only one I know of is Chris McCausland, who's a brilliant comedian, Yeah. Um, he, but he's got no vision. Mm. And so he, it'd be crazy for him not to talk about it and not, he's got such a unique experience of it and yeah. you know, the way he functions in day-to-day life. And it's also more, because I've got, you know, I've got sight, I've got, you know, a level of vision. It's just easier, it's almost easier to get across to somebody what it'd be like to have no vision than it is yeah. to get across to somebody what it's like to have low vision. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I feel that. Um, do you mind explaining what uh, what kind of form your impairment takes? You know, how long have you had it? Is it uh, what, what can and can't you see? So I've got kind of uh, central vision loss. Yeah. So I kind of, um, so like reading, seeing faces are difficult. Uh, I also struggle in the sun quite a lot. If I go from dark to light, um, it's probably worse at night time. But and, and in all honesty, I can't remember ever having full vision. I can't really remember it now. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, my sight's been like this for so long. Yeah. Look, me and my wife were walking recently, and um, a car went past us, and she could see in the rear view mirror the person who was sat in the driver's seat and was able to identify them. And it just kind of blew, it just like, Jesus, yeah. You forget what, actually, you're walking around with a massive disadvantage. You, know, yeah. you forget what, you forget, you know. Like we walk, sometimes we take the dog and she'll spot somebody at the other end of the field and be able to see who it is. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's, always, like, it's always amazed me. I'm like, how on earth do people have that yeah, kind it's of incredible. facility? Yeah, I mean, someone else I was speaking to on the show recently said that if, you, if you've got full vision, that's like having a massive massive head start in life isn't it it's a massive uh, oh. shortcut to everything yeah absolutely <laughs> i always um but, but there's also something not nice i don't know it, it's um i've come to quite like having low vision as silly as that sounds yeah it, i, I it, feel it, like it, I, I might be able to relate to this go on i just feel like it, it gives you stuff in other areas bobby do, do you find that do you find Com- your yeah little little superpowers in other areas that you might not you probably wouldn't have had otherwise yeah absolutely what are, what are your areas? What are your superpowers? So my kind of um, weirdly, if me if we go anywhere new, so if we go to a foreign country or a different city, yeah, because you're so used to looking for landmarks and clues, you know, it's almost like a survival thing. I'll be able to navigate an area and remember my way better than my nice. wife who's got full vision, just because it's part of your everyday to spot things and use what you can use. Definitely, yeah. You know, you're, yeah. Not, you're, you're never just casually walking anywhere. Yeah, you know, oh, you are if you know really familiar with an area, but you know, you, you're always looking. You're always, and also if you, so just a small thing, you know, somebody like, oh, where's the toilet in a in a pub? You go, well, just aim, just aim for a corner, and you, you'll probably <laughs> you, you'll probably get to one. If you get the wrong corner first time, that's all right. Go for another yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> what What about you, Bobby? Do you do you kind of have these things as well, which? Well, I suppose the the sort of main one for me would be my ears. Um, I've okay. been been into music my whole life, and I had some vision until I was ten. Yeah. Um, 
so I kind of had the very very first beginnings of you know learning piano and sight reading and uh, I sang in choir as well so I could um, I, I remember the experience just about of reading um, of reading music and being able to play it but as my sight yeah. deteriorated I still wanted to carry on doing music I just relied more and more on my ears yeah um, and when it got to kind of 14 15 time I wanted to learn songs I was listening to um I found the quickest way of doing that was was just by listening and, and figuring it out and through that process because your your brain's very malleable when you're a teenager yeah um, definitely and uh I just just thought that was that was way quicker so why don't I carry on doing yeah, stuff absolutely. by and, and that skills developed yeah and you look good when you can do that I think as a musician Oh, it's great. You, you must look, look uh, Jeremy, it must be an impressive thing to see, actually, somebody be able to do that. Well, it's funny because uh, because it's kind of what I've, how I've done it all my life, and it's not... It, it, I don't really think of it as something as, that's, like, completely amazing. I just think of yeah. it as, it's, it's how I do it. It's how I've learned. I couldn't do it the other way, so I've, I learned this way. Yeah. But, you know, it's uh, when you get people around the piano at a party who are like, oh, my God, you can just play it like that. I'm like, well... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I um, another thing that I have is I tend to be able to tell when somebody feels uncomfortable Ooh, in a, a, in, nice a situ- in a situation or if you know if someone's moods change because you're not really seeing any visual clues. Yeah, you know I, I can kind of tell if someone's gone quiet for a second or I, I can I'm kind of, like I'm hypersensitive to because you know as a visually impaired person just walking into a room full of people. You know, think I think from school I used to go and I'd, I'd have to find a space at dinner or I'd have to find a space in the classroom. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's really hard. So I'm kind of hypersensitive to all the people feeling that way. If that makes mm, sense, definitely. Oh yeah, oh, you you just listed two of the worst things for me while I was at school and at uni. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so I, I difficult. would be kind of avoid going to the canteen at lunch or or hall for. For yeah. dinner at uni, just because the, the if, if I was on my own, you know, I didn't know where to sit, didn't didn't have anyone to sit with, and wouldn't it's have really, see people. It's really hard. And the other thing is, uh, I used to hate at school in that situation. Sometimes, like a food fight would break out, <laughs> and and people people throwing things is like the worst situation. Oh. From you know, you you can't see anything. Yeah, and it's like, oh my god, I'm gonna get hit with something. <laughs> food fight. Yeah. <laughs> You just end up just leaving the rooms like I can't deal with this. Yeah, yeah, you just have, you just have to or get a hiding space or something. It's different when you're young, a younger man. How old are you, Bobby? If you don't mind me asking, I'm 26. You're 26. So I mean, so I'm 31. Mm. And I've got a half brother who's 17, and he's got the same condition as me. Really? And so he, I mean, he's different to me. He's when I was that age, I'd, I'd be. Constantly worried, and you, you, the worst thing for when you're younger is you don't want to look silly, or you don't want to look, especially yeah. around girls and different things. It's yeah. you know you want to prove I'm a you know I'm a, I'm a tough guy. Do you know what I mean? I'm not. <laughs> so to to be embarrassed is like it's the worst thing at that age. Yeah. Have you um, while you were at that kind of age, would you feel comfortable talking about it with people, or would you try and just hide it and and pretend everything's fine? No, I'd, I'd hide it, mate. And even now, I started a new job in September, mm. and I, you know, I, I, well, my instinct is to play it down and to, to hide it from people. Really? Okay. Even now, and I mean, the other thing is, I, I don't know. I think 
I don't know why I do that. I think it's kind of I want them to know me first before I really got it. Will yeah. divulge and, and say say too much. But I mean, nine times out of ten, people aren't bothered. Yeah. But also, sometimes I want to prove I can do something. I can prove I'm good at something before I'd say. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah, I respect that a lot. Um, I relate. I mean, I I do find myself, you know, when I start a new job or when I start working with someone new or I just just meet someone new that I'm going to be spending a bit of time with I'll just I'll just quickly explain I'll say it probably probably won't come to anything um you know shouldn't affect too much but if I don't recognize you then this is why or mm. if if I need you to read a menu or something then then this is why um, yeah I think that's really sensible mate actually I think that is the way to to go about I think I don't think it's necessarily healthy how I've approached it in, in the past well no I, I don't think there's any any right or wrong way of doing it for sure like you know it's just about what what you're comfortable with and I really respect that you know you want people to get to know you and and see what you can do before before learning about what you can't do mm. um I think that's more important yeah I don't know have you had any tough situations where you've kind of had to explain at the wrong moment or no not not so much I think um I mean, I've been out with with friends and stuff. And I, I mean, I used to go to to like Glastonbury and things. And and, and yeah. my friend, my friends knew. And but this was a, a wider group of friends that didn't necessarily, you know, hadn't seen me at school or hadn't seen me a lot. Mm. And you know, it's going to a music festival. It's about the hardest thing you can do as a visually impaired person, actually, <laughs> because yeah. everything looks the same. There's no, you know, it's just a crowd, crowd like a mass of people. Mm. And then at night time, you know, there's you, there's like yeah. tent, there's like tent ropes and stuff to navigate. Yeah, and like I just had to like I, I just had to say, mate, I'm gonna just have to hold your arm. I don't know, <laughs> it's fucking yeah. really hard. And they're they're not bothered. But if I hadn't said anything, like it, re- I really had to say something at that point. Otherwise, I would have just got cut yeah. adrift from the from the group. Really. Oh, it's, I mean, especially if you get lost, like. But I think um, a, a, a big. A big reason why I, I, I never used to tell people was um, so I was really into sport, and uh, you know as soon as you mention you got this thing, you, you don't kind of really get a chance. Like I joined like a, I used to play, I used to do rugby, I used to do boxing, I used to do everything, and, and mm. the, the you know you're treated completely as an equal until they find this out, and then you are treated a bit differently, even if it's in a positive way and it's from a place of kindness. It the experience is still tainted a little bit by them knowing. Yeah, that you are okay. different. Yeah, you get people saying like, you know, oh, are you okay doing this? Or maybe you shouldn't, maybe you shouldn't do this session. Or I hope I don't know. Did did you sort of say I'm I'm all right? Don't worry, I can do, <laughs> I can do it. Yeah, yes, yes, and no. But also, it's just um, maybe it's my own. But you kind of perce- I feel like you're perceived differently then, and you, yeah. you can you can just feel it. You can just feel that you're being. Treated slightly differently. It's it's quite difficult to even quantify what that is, but it's just a it's just a feeling you get, and maybe sure. that's completely in my own head. Maybe it is, but I, no, you know, you're absolutely right. There's there's a lot of work to be done, I think, on um, on treatment of of people with disabilities. Um, people like to think they're being helpful when sometimes it can come over as patronising, or sometimes you know you just you just want to be treated the same. Really, you don't want to be treated in any yeah any way. And that's all it is. It's um, it's just it's very it's just feels a bit different. It's just it's really subtle. Yeah, and ma- maybe it's different for for men and women as well with with these conditions. But I think it's it's almost you perceived as a bit vulnerable in in some way. 
and that's Maybe. you know that's not necessarily what what you want. I don't, I don't know. It's it's really complex. It is. Yeah. You know, sometimes um, I'll meet someone who who have been tipped off by someone else, maybe that I've got this, and um, and they'll sort of say, you know, there's a couple of steps here, and uh, you can you can hold my arm if you like. I'm, it's okay. I'll I'll ask if I need help. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it, but you it also you know it's, you can't be mad at those people that it's coming from a good place, isn't it? But it's Absolutely, just absolutely um, yeah. No, it's, maybe it's that's really, just part of it, mate. I don't know. It's really complex. Yeah. It's it's great that you've kind of found a way of uh, of bringing it into your into your show. How did you kind of come to to that landing, being comfortable talking about it in your in your comedy? I almost felt it was almost irresponsible for me, irresponsible with me to not mention it. And I, I mentioned mm. having a, a little brother before. Yeah. I mean, I, and I just thought, you know, this is a real unique experience that which I've had. Yeah. And now, it, you know, you can it feels when it comes to sort of stuff, no one actually gives a shit sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, like, of all the debates that goes on on Twitter and social media about groups being discriminated against, you know, sight loss is it's never mentioned, and actually, it's it can happen to anybody, and it's so difficult. Yeah. And it just got to a point where I think, you know, I'm in a position where you know I'm I'm doing a show, I've had this thing, and it's actually it is something I should try and do well. The, the other the other reason I put off doing it is because I wanted to be a good enough comedian to do it well. Got it, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I thought it just hadn't been the right time before. And I think I mentioned before, I've been writing a sitcom about a guy who's losing his sight. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, you talked about this. And I think that's more the medium. I think that's more the form to get it. It's a, it's a complex thing and you've got to put them into situations. And I don't think stand-up is necessarily the best way of me getting that across, if that makes sense. Well, a sitcom, I guess uh, you've got more flexibility with kind of playing a bit with the uh, with the sad or the difficult side of it with, mm. with the funny side of it yeah um whereas as a stand-up you're under a bit more pressure to just be funny every single time and there's not as much i don't know maybe, maybe you found differently yeah and but, also i kind of um i think it's easier for the general public to understand a guy who's had sight and lost his sight mm. i think because everyone starts with full vision yeah. I think it's easier for them to empathise and put themselves in his shoes when he starts losing his sight, whereas to yeah. just go up and talk as a visually impaired person who doesn't see a lot or doesn't see a great deal, that's mm. pretty harder to get on board with. Yeah. What's the the kind of comedic angle that you, you managed to find? For for the show, you mean? or? Well, yeah, firstly for the show, but I would love to talk about the sitcom as well. It was um, It was more about the experience of, you know, of how my family reacted to it and how I reacted to it and me, me trying okay. to blag it, basically, me trying to do things as a kid <laughs> without getting across like I couldn't see things. Yeah. Um, and then with, with the sitcom, it's it's kind of secondary to the guy's personality. So we, we see this guy who's a bit of a... He's a bit of a, a chance of a bit of a blagger. Like, he never really prepares for any meetings. He'll just turn up and wing it on personality. <laughs> um, but suddenly it gets harder and harder for him to do that because he... His sight's getting worse, and he has to actually confront this thing. And you know, yeah. he's not—he's not a person that would ever deal with his problems head on. He'd kind of—he'd be in denial, and mm. you know, he's a bit of a bit of a womanizer. And suddenly, he actually—all these people he's been treating badly all his life—you know—he actually <laughs> could have done with somebody. You know, he, could, he, he kind of realizes—he kind of realizes how you know maybe he hasn't been the best person in, right. in his life. 
Really nice, man. I mean, every individual is is complex and you can't just frame someone who's disabled as the victim in all situations. Yeah, I think it's... um, You've just got a bit more room, haven't you, to, to like, for nuance and, you know, mm. it's like, I suppose, with, with you know, musicians, this might be a terrible thing. It's the difference between, you know, over an album, you can tell a story over an album. Right. And you can you can get kind of ups and downs, and whereas actually you, you couldn't do what you wanted to do in a jingle. It's got to be, it's you, you need the form to do it, and it's it's like that with stand-up. Stand-up isn't necessarily, you can only do so much with stand-up. Do you feel kind of satisfied with how that went in your stand-up show? Yeah, I think I, I didn't try to do too much with it. Ultimately, ultimately, again, people don't really care about you know it's not an, it's not an issue that affects a lot of people. So it's you know it's, it's not like tackling it's not like tackling racism. You know, it's it's quite a specific experience. You know, it's, it's, it probably hasn't. But no, it, 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 I was really pleased with it. I, I was proud of myself for, for doing it and being able to tackle it for the first time. I was, I was yeah, I was, it was definitely a good exercise as well. This actually reminds me, we've probably been in the same room as each other, but in in full legally bind style, <laughs> we probably weren't aware of it, right on brand. Because um, yeah. you shared a venue with my other half, Anna Nicholson. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And, um, well, I know she, she actually quite likes having the house lights half up most of the time, so she can kind of really get into the audience and really see the faces and yep. react to the expressions and kind of target jokes at specific people. I, I guess you don't have that kind of facility. How have you found? How have you found tackling that? Yeah, no, I, I can kind of. I find if the lighting's right, the, the front row, I can kind of tell if it's a man or a woman. But that's as much as I can really. But even that, I'm not 100 percent sure on. Yeah. So I can't really commit to that. I mean, it's not a hindrance in the sense that you know there are comics that just go on and just do their stuff and um, it happens that I have to you know that's just the kind of comic that I have to be I can't really go on and you, you can you can involve the audience generally you know but you can ask a question you know that most people will you know the classic is anyone drinking like I don't do that but that's, <laughs> that's a, like, oh, it's a Friday night mate yeah so everyone's drinking but, um, but yeah in terms of specifically targeting things at different people I just can't I just can't so, but, and maybe I should actually that is how I'd incorporate my site into it is to say that's why I don't do that and that's and I think that'd be quite funny, do you know what I mean? Oh, that's brilliant, um, yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's a way to go with it. But yeah, that's a luxury. And and if something happens in the room, I can only really react to if it's an audible thing, you know, if somebody breaks a glass or Okay. Yeah. But the but the thing is, the way you know yourself stage lighting is you can have full vision and not see past the second row. So it's not a, yeah. it's also yeah. not a huge issue. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And a lot of the energy you get is audible, like you say. Like Yeah, you... well, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the hope as a comedian. I mean, I've played as a sort of, you know, backup musician to a lot of comedy shows and um, yeah. I've got quite a good sense now of like what, what a happy room sounds like and what a, yeah. what a, <laughs> what a not so happy room what sounds does, like. What does... Um... What does a tough gig for a musician feel like, Bobby? Um, I suppose you rely a bit less on the um, on the sort of laughs. Every you know, everything you say has to have some kind of response because yeah. you know people don't often just applaud. You know, every few bars, be like, "Oh, that was great!" Oh, I like that <laughs> bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that would be nice if they did. 
so yeah okay i'm really interested by the sitcom idea how do you find uh does your vision affect how you go about your writing in terms of practically getting stuff on the page um not no it doesn't it it doesn't because because it's dialogue and stand up it's a spoken medium and although you write yeah it's 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 spoken if that makes sense what what is a problem is as a comedian when you go and do new material what mm. comedians will do that they'll write on a notepad they'll take notes on stage rather than commit anything to memory that might not be worth saying again got it yeah yeah they will just kind of read it or do it off notes and obviously i can never be off notes Mm. yeah you so, see a lot of people being like oh okay i've only got two minutes left i'll, I'll cut that bit i'll cut that bit and yeah so yeah. I, I can never be off notes i kind of have to half commit to learning stuff which takes up brain space really um yeah so that that is a challenge that is, that is actually an obstacle to but then I, I tend to find that that is also quite freeing to be you no know, to not have notes to, to look at it, you're kind of forced to Mm. perform a bit more and forced to try and sell your idea a bit more which probably more aware of the audience maybe yeah yeah potentially and i mean you see you see writers don't you with like short boards full of ideas <laughs> and i do that i still i still write things down even though i can't necessarily read it back i've still the process of me writing it down is still doing something it's still whether it's a memory aid or the process of actually committing mm. something to writing is still useful yeah, well, I, I can then never read. I can't, I can't read it back. Then you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I find that actually yeah, typing stuff out helps me kind of get get my brain into gear, even if yeah, it's it's not really like you know. Just jotted down a few notes before this before this conversation, and I haven't yeah. actually looked at them, but it's just good to, you know, <laughs> it's good to. Yeah, it's uh, it's something about doing it, and I mean the other thing I think of as well is. Um, I'm, I'm naturally, I think I'm a weird, I'm, I think I'm a visual learner. Okay, yeah. Um, because you, you can be a visual learner and then have sight loss, which... Yeah, I, which, I wonder if I am actually, go on. Yeah, um, when I think of like um, playing football and stuff and being, being coached, I'm always, I, I, if I see something, I, I can kind of learn it better. Mm-hmm. Um, which yeah. Is, so that's, I don't know, and maybe that's why I write stuff down, even though I'm not necessarily going to be able to read it back, you know. Yeah, yeah. Interesting what you say about being off notes, um, kind of maybe maybe being an advantage in a way. Like a lot of people, there's a, there's a parallel, big parallel there with uh, with music. Mm. Most once you get to kind of really high level, you know, if you're a concert pianist or whatever, um, people always say that you're better equipped to to get into the music if it's committed to memory. Um, yeah, and you know, some people struggle with that. And as a visually impaired person who's very used to memorising, that's a bit of an advantage. Yeah. This is this is amazing to me. There's uh, I didn't even know there was a partially sighted England football team. Yeah, so we're um. I've played since I was 20, 21. Yeah. Um, we're kind of we're fully funded by the FA, and I've, I've played in I played in three World Cups. I think I've played. Oh, in amazing! And it's, um, and it's amazing. And what I love is um, actually that the sight element makes it a really interesting thing to watch. You have kind of categories of classifications of uh, visual impairment. So there's there's the B one, which is like they've got no vision, so they play a separate game. They play blind football. B for blind is that. I'd imagine it is, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> creative, yeah. So it's like um, B1, they've they're got no vision, they've got no light perception, so they, they play a separate game with a, a ball with a bell in it. We play got it. indoors, 
five-a-side in, indoor fut, futsal, the game is, which is like, um, you know, sighted, there's a sighted national team as well, futsal. Okay. Um, and then there's the B2 and B3 who have got some level of vision, B3 being obviously better vision. And you have to have two B2s on the pitch at any time. And are you, where are you? Are you a B two, B three? So I'm, I'm B two, yeah. So I was a, when I first started playing, I was I was B three, yeah. And then I've gradually dipped into to, to B two. You got you got promoted into the yeah the yeah. <laughs> but um, interestingly, <laughs> because it, the, the sport is professional in some countries, like some of the countries we play against are professionals, they get a lot of um, well cheating basically. They get people who are. You know, pretending that their sight is worse than it no. is, so they can live a better quali- quality of life. Like, I, I, no. yeah, it happens a lot. I remember when we played in um, we played in Argentina, and the Argentinian lads they were being like guided into you have to be you have to have your sight tested at the start of the tournament, and they're kind of being te- kind of walking in with their heads down, being like put into the chair, and we thought, God, these lads these lads can't see anything. And then we played them in the first game, and they were like volleying it from. <laughs> they were like hitting balls and for the pitch overhead kicks and, yeah oh man it's that's, and then obviously the, that's the, appalling the, yeah it is. and then the goalkeepers are, are sighted as well so obviously oh yeah. across the board or you mean yeah across the board yeah okay um, they also kind of help with you know communication on the pitch and stuff so it's um, so it's I mean a, you must have a huge range of types of visual impairment on the pitch and yes. does that yeah, yes and no actually Bobby because it tends to be People with central vision loss. Really? Okay. Is it, does that just happen to be like that? I think it's actually really hard to play with peripheral vision loss. Yeah. Because obviously, so you, you, you could get somebody who could read to the bottom of the eye chart, so there would be a B3, or, or the B actually be ineligible. But they could, they could, read, the, they could read everything. You could see yeah. as good as it. But actually their window of vision is like looking through a, a toilet roll. Yeah. So then to play football when, th- when things are moving and it's almost impossible, whereas people with that kind of sort of, they tend to be better at like um, like archery. Or, okay, yeah, the or, sort of long distance detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things. Whereas people with central vision loss, it tends to... And then you get kind of people who have got like um, sort of loss on, on one side is a bit easier maybe. Um but yeah, it's something to be it's something to be aware of. Absolutely. So spatial awareness, I suppose, is the key thing, isn't it? And if you've yeah, got peripheral vision, then you then that's always something that I've been okay at. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you kind of know who. So there's people in our team, for example, with lower vision, who they can never just hit a ball first on. They have to control it first. Yeah. And there's other lads that we would put in certain situations because they can see better. So it's a tactical element to it as well. Mm, okay and what if you want to sub someone on or sub someone off who's this is maybe a crap question <laughs> um, you know like oh uh jimmy over there has got quite good science so we put him up front but we need to we need to bring on a sub because he's injured and then the, your tactics change based on not just yeah. the the ability but also on how much they see absolutely yeah or you try and the dream position is to have a good b2 player that is like gold dust <laughs> because because they can be on all the time and they can you can have four B2s on you have you have to have two B2s on at any time if that makes oh, I sense see. right got it yeah. so if you've got a good B2 player it's like it's like gold dust but interestingly all, all the best players in the world are B2s interestingly really? yeah oh this is gold yeah. this is so great 
I'm fascinated by this. I really want to play. Where where do I where do I sign up for trials? <laughs> so there's a there's a there's a league. There's a there's a visually impaired league. Uh, okay. It's been on, it's been on. I'll, I'll genuinely will send you the details. If you put them in the in the in the notes actually for the um, podcast might be good. But yeah, it's 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 such a brilliant thing to be involved in. And you know, a lot of the lads you meet, they've got similar experiences, or mm. um, you know, we've got lads that are playing professionally and then have had head injuries or. Our captain that's just retired played for Northern Ireland, um, like eleven aside, and then his sight deteriorated, and he, he kind of couldn't play anymore. And it's wow. amazing, really, the stories. The fact that you thought, okay, well, I can't, it can't access this particular sport in this way, but how can I? You know, that's that's the attitude, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and that's where it's good. That's where meeting other people is so, you know. As you say, like you're twenty six year old guy who's into football and he's never heard of it. That's obviously just shows that you know it's it's these things they're hard to find actually, aren't they? You've really got to go searching for stuff. Just a little interjection here from Future Bobby to say that I took Josh up on his offer and I am now a proud member of the London Partially Sighted football team. Um, I've played against Josh on a number of occasions against the Birmingham team and have lost by a lot on each of those occasions. So work to be done, but I thought I'd just come in and finish off that story. Um, As you were, back to the episode. What are some of the kind of everyday situations you find... You know, because that's probably the hardest thing for me. I've kind of found ways around my work and my music and stuff. Yeah. But it's your shopping and your cleaning. And what are some of the uh, the big ones for you? Yeah, sh- shopping's the big one for me, mate. It's, um, you know, if, if you go to the, I go to the suit, same supermarket every time. If they've moved stuff around or if they've, I, I shop in Aldi and they'll just change the branding of something. And it's a completely <laughs> different colour. Oh. And it's like, I've got, like, give me a chance. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds true, but anything where there's a knack to it, or it's, it's you're okay until something goes wrong or somebody moves something, or yeah, you know, we had like, we had like a new cooker and the the diet, it's a black cooker with white writing on it, which usually be really good, mm. but it, it's like a cooker that just there's nothing tactile on it, there's no like knobs, it's everything's like a touch screen thing. Oh, yeah, when it when I used to do a day job, if I have to sign into anywhere, or you go to a hotel and they say, Can you fill this form in? It's like Something I haven't accounted for is thrust on me. I get yeah. a bit ah. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. What What are yours, Bobby? You say shopping as well. I mean, it's probably it's probably the recognising people, recognising people either too late or not at all. And if you mm. haven't had a chance to explain um, your situation, then it could come over as being rude or like you're trying to avoid them. Or it's the social dynamics I find most um, that, that get me down. Um, it's really hard and so what what I would hate so this is this is my worst situation thinking about so uh, when me and my wife were like it was a new relationship like going out for a meal with her two of her friends or another couple because mm-hmm. it's it's three new people there basically isn't it and it's in a situation where you know you, there's a menu or there's there's wine glasses on the table yeah or like a buffet or anything like that is so oh, buffets <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know when you're trying to pick up a sandwich and you get a finger in two fillings and you've picked up oh it's just an absolute nightmare <laughs> but, but yeah anything like that you know when you're around new people and oh if you're around a table and it's it's your, you're not sure if it you, if it's okay to speak or if somebody's finished speaking or if it's the visual clues and it's actually you know people don't necessarily think about that stuff 
Yeah, 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 yeah. There's there's a lot of visual going on in people's faces or in body language that gives away, uh, yeah. you know, the trajectory of the conversation, which maybe you don't yeah. you don't pick up on. Yeah. If if people want to shake your hand, you know, if you you if people want to shake your hand, or <laughs> it's it's is it a hug moment? Is it a shake your hand? Is it a high yeah. five? I think the only thing to do is because obviously my little brother has a similar thing now. The only thing I say to him is just to be really positive with it and yeah. say hello, put your hand out, and just be really take, take the lead. Yeah, yeah. Does your brother have? Um, is it kind of a similar degree of of the problem, or is it? Just... Yeah, yeah. It's um, his sight is probably a bit better than mine as it is now, but I think when I was his age, it's very similar. But he's. Okay. Um, He's actually brilliant, mate. With it, he's he's so um, he, he he will tell he tell somebody day one and just never worry about it again. Nice, yeah, yeah. Which is it's it's actually incredible. Like I, I remember at school, I'd be given this equipment and stuff. I just would put it in a cupboard and never <laughs> never never see the light of day again. Whereas he's he'd use a magnifier in somebody in front of somebody, but he does it in a way where he's still he still wants to be quite cool with it somehow. It's I've got a lot of respect for actually how he how he deals with it. Nice, that's cool. Yeah, it's great, man. Yeah, well, no, I bet you're a, I bet you're a role model for him. Yeah, it's, it, it makes you think how you know when I'm going around being embarrassed about it. I think that's not that's sending all the wrong messages to somebody that's younger with with it. Do you know what I mean? Do you? I mean, I often ask at the end of of this, what advice would you give to a uh, you know an aspiring comedian who's growing up with a uh, with a sight condition? But it sounds like you might have you know you might have imparted a fair amount of wisdom to the to a younger. What what I would say, Bobby, you know, somebody is, I've you know, I've been done from a sporting background and for comedians and artistic people are so welcoming and people get into comedy because usually they're a bit different to other people or they've they've grew up feeling different things and on the whole they're a very welcoming and diverse group of people and you know I'm not sure it's the same with musicians, mate, or whatever, but it's you know, they're very yeah, welcoming of any anyone that's a bit different and it's certainly a really positive environment to, to be in. That's lovely. Yeah, I've I've found the same, especially in the theatre comedy side of things. Yeah, definitely. Oh, Josh, it's so great to speak to you. Thanks so much again for coming on. No, a pleasure, Bobby, man. Next time on Legally Blind. I'm just intrigued. How are you a Paralympian? That's a question I ask myself every day, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> James Risden. We don't deal with um, disabled musicians. We deal with musicians who have disabilities. Because for the time you're playing your instrument, you're not actually disabled. There's nothing disabling you from playing your instrument. Thanks for listening. <laughs>